Welcome to the Fat Cats Rugby Podcast, bringing you candid rugby conversations, great interviews and insights into Ugandan rugby, and a touch of rugby in Africa and the world over. Fat Cats Rugby Podcast is a product of Fat Cats Media Brand for all your audiovisual content needs and equipment hire. Hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Fat Cats Rugby Podcast. I've come to cook this week because uh, now Pirates is done, so we can go to discussions that actually matter. Congratulations once again, but the show must go on. I'm here with Ruben. Edwin is my name. And uh, this time we have managed to bring you some royalty. Uh, after having some pirates royalty as well, uh, I call him captain. I don't uh, disrespect people. I give them their titles that they have earned for over time. So, without any further ado, wasting time, captain. The only similarity I think we have is that he's called Gonya, and I play for Gonya. a team called Gonya. Ma. <laughs> so, captain Michael Gonya Wokorach. Nice to have you here. Thank you very much. This has been long overdue, but we said that uh, we're going to have conversations in the off-season. Yeah. And one of them slated was for you to address a few issues. Number one, uh, we discussed before, there was a picture. We'll not show it because it's very graphic, but I told him the last time we ever interacted on a rugby field was in 2013. Mm. And uh, I don't know who feared who, but uh, captain was folded. He was folded. Yeah, it was a very bad picture. We're not going to show it. He was folded and went off with a very severe neck injury. But then he managed to come back and obviously punish uh, as as he always does. So Warriors lost that game 66. <laughs> uh, I mean, my Warriors shot supporting them. With time, with time, baby yeah. steps. Nice to have you here. Thank you very much, and uh, I'm glad that uh, today I've managed to come on the podcast. I have been uh, sidestepping you guys mm. for so long, yeah? Talk to my PA. And, uh, yeah, your PA did magic. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's good, actually, because um, I think uh, such platforms are quite good. And uh, when you come here and talk about rugby, it's, it's good for, for the public and for, for the rugby fans. So I'm glad I'm here today. I try to make time from work because I've always really been busy. I leave work at about seven uh, almost every day. But uh, today I'm uh, glad that I made it on time. And uh, I'm here to talk rugby. Perfect, perfect. Uh, usually we will start, usually we start the podcast with memory lane and then reach the current. But once that with the current, then we go behind. Is that tweet you put out? Uh-huh. The, 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 the retirement tweet that I am out of the game. Oh, we, 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 uh, we don't understand English very well. No, uh, I think my tweet was misleading. Yes. And uh, there's one bit where I said, as a player. Yes. And that one confused everyone. But I think I should have packaged it more better. And basically just say I was uh, handing over the captainship to, uh, to Ian. But I was still playing. Okay. So I think that's where everyone got a bit confused that, ah, the man has retired. 
That's okay. why everyone said uh, bringing out, uh, hey, thank you for the game, thank you for leading Uganda and all the work. So On the bright side, I think you, you, you got a glimpse of how your tribute will look when you finally retire. Yeah. Yeah, a bit of like what happened with Tom Brady when he retired the first time and then everyone showered him with all those praises and then it was like, ah, one more season. Yeah, one more season. I, I, it was amazing because some people even came to my inbox and said, Guega, are you serious about this? I'm like, uh, by the way, I think I've made a mistake. I treated wrongly, yes. but I'm still playing. So no need to worry. It's just that I handed over captainship to, to Ian to lead the young squad going forward. Because that's the men or the old bones were the evening of our career, like everyone normally says. So it was only right for me to do that. That's why we you had to invoke your lowness and you brought out the twist that a low man does not retire on yeah, social media. Yeah, because people are retiring me on social media and yet I've not come out clearly to tell them I've retired. Definitely when I retire, I'm going to call a press conference okay. and assure the world and Uganda yes. that, guys, I'm done with the sport. You're done with the sport. Yeah. Won't you, okay. Won't you be the first rugby player to do that? I think uh, the rugby players, I don't know, it's usually they retire because of one work, two serious injuries, but usually if a person is still capable, they go on. You uh, see Scott is in his 40s. I yeah, think. true, true. I think Mubiri also did the same thing. Mm. He called a press conference to retire. Oh, Yeah, it was a yeah. chat don't know. He called some press guys. And then uh, I was also there just to uh, to say a few words about Mubiru and him being a player and captain for, for Heathen. So, People do it the way they want to do it. So it was it was something that uh, Mubiru did well. And maybe I may follow in his footsteps and see maybe when I'm uh, hanging off my boots and stuff like that, I can uh, I can call one. Well, if you delve much into the retirement talk, I think you'll put your one foot forward there by saying that you played in the Wazei game. Tell us about the Wazei game. <laughs> ah, it was quite interesting. I think... Um, Abo called me, I think, two weeks before the game and asked me, Michael, can you play? You're within the age bracket that has yes. been granted. Yeah, that has been granted some playing time because the Kenyans also had three of their players who are within that age bracket over 30 to 35. Okay. And uh, we also had to get uh, three players to also play within that age. So they got me as man and coach Onen. Okay. And we fall within that age bracket. So... That's why when Habo called me, I'm like, no problem. I The season is done. I, I'm ready and, and still fit to, to come and try and help you guys. Okay. So okay. it was quite good. And I think uh, that concept and uh, what they have started is, is something very big. And it's the start of a lot to come. And uh, the Kenyans have been on tour for so long. Mm. They go to Dubai. They have done so many other things together. Yeah. And uh, you could really see... There was a class apart yeah, from the Ugandan vets and the Kenyan vets. And they had trained for quite some time. Yeah. We only had, I think, three weeks of training. And in those three weeks, guys were not consistent. Yeah. Only guys say, ah, man, me, I'm at work, so I can't make it. And you could really tell that there was a big gap and a big difference between the Kenyan vets and us who are really struggling with fitness. Yeah. Were you allowed to stool? Because I didn't see you engage. <laughs> you were just passing so, the ball. So yeah. basically... Uh, Odomel was the was the liazo yes. of Kenya. Yes. And when those guys heard that Wokorach is going to play, so yes. they bought a strategy. I have never seen a Monday yeah. play center in yes. his life. Okay. But every time I would see a Monday just right in front of me. So the strategy was you're the best guy who can stop this man. So yes. just stand in front of him. Yeah. 
and then try and find a way of stopping him not to go forward. So every time I would get the ball, the first person I would see is Amonde. Yes. And yet he was playing in the park. Yeah. But when we were on attack, we'd send that guy to the park, and then he would come and start at 13. <laughs> so I was limited, and also the fact that these were vets. Yeah. He got stand easily, yeah. mostly ours. The ball was not coming to the wing. Yeah. And yet, most of the time, when the ball would come to the wing, we were a big threat. And we just didn't use it as much as we should have used it. I think we woke up in the second half and it was too late. Yeah. The ball was mostly dying in the middle channel. team would act, uh, actually carry the ball or then would carry the ball or something. But it all comes down that we didn't have enough preparations. Yeah. And uh, we didn't know the combinations of how we should be playing. And I think if this thing is going to be alive going forward, I think we need to work more. Because there's a return leg in November. All right. So oh. just, yeah, there's a return leg in November. Okay. So the Kenyans are waiting for us. And the plan right now is the vets are going to rest for two weeks and then they kick off with training because they are serious about this thing and they are really ready to go back to, to go to Kenya and, and try and put up a good show. Ruben, uh, when, when, when the Kenyans, the Kenya vets arrived at Entebbe, they were in blazers, khakis, mm. and now Kampala women. You know there's that fear, <laughs> fear women campaign moving around. All of them jumped ship like they had never seen us. I think our council pictures should have been in front, mm. but anyway, what's what, what's your understanding of this concept? Do you think it's something good? There was a concept. No, yeah, it's 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 a brilliant thing. First of all, to keep these two groups of people interacting with each other, catching up on all days, but also networking just beyond the game. What are you doing? What are you up to? I mean, this is how partnerships. This is how um, uh, relationships beyond the sport are, are are maintained. I should say. I think it's a very very good thing, and. Uh, I think with the right type, a lot, like you said, a lot can be done. I mean, even the Ugandan side can also start maybe perhaps having tours here and there and uh, have a lot of maybe brands come on, come on board and see how to grow. It can just even be something that is the game, but even beyond um, actively playing. I mean, how is it all, how are they also using that, that platform to perhaps maybe do something for society? It's, it's something that can be really explored in different ways. I think the plan from uh, the Kenyan vets is to make it a regional thing. Maybe go across Rwanda, just try and, and, and build character with this with this rugby going on. Try and go for different clinics in different camps and, and, and show the guys how uh, rugby has built character and maybe also do some helping of uh, these underprivileged kids. So if you see this tournament, actually the Ugandans, we had about three sponsors just from nowhere. Nile came on board, gave the vets quite a good sum of money. They took charge of the whole uh, setting. You could see how Chadondo was. We had a backstage, fun park and all that. And then Airtel was also on board. Uh, they came in and as well as, uh, is it Britam? Britam Insurance, yeah, Britam yes. also came in. So it's something that can grow. Next time yeah. you'll hear Uganda Airlines will come in and say, guys, we're going to fly you to Nairobi. Yeah. And, and that's how it's going to build something big and it's going to get out of hand. We may not even manage it as ourselves. It will go into some different uh, direction. Okay, perfect. Me, uh, from my perspective, it, it was a good kickstart for the international calendar that we are still waiting for. But uh, maybe as the Ugandan vets go through their paces and they need some time to relax, they can come and stay at the Fred and Winnie B&B. Uh, we'll have facilities. We don't have very high stairs that the vets can't climb in the event <laughs> that their knees are are losing shape from the hard training that they undertake. We have 10 uh, self-contained rooms with two kitchens on either floor, uh, Wi-Fi with a backup system. 
we also have an in-home chef who will take care for all your uh, food needs, uh, culinary needs, for those who want to, to, to take a snack or two or experience some fine dining. We'll also have um, transport uh, pickup arrangements from the airport or to any other destination that is made. Uh, do come and check out the Fred and Rini B and B. Tell them a fat cut has sent you and uh, experience some good packages as we enter summer season, the sundress season of, uh, yeah. of as we fear the ladies, let's yeah. say, experience the sundress <laughs> season. So, Michael, we're going to go back. I know we said we'll start from the front, then go to the back. Um, you've been around for nearly, what, 18, 20 years now yeah, in, the, in the rugby field sector? 20, 21 years. 21 years. Imagine. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, 21 years not playing, but not playing, around. But around, eh? Yes, around rugby circles. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So now we want to know, when did you start this thing? When did you begin your love affair with a ball that is oval-shaped? Okay, uh, actually, I, I fell in love with rugby in 2002. And uh, I would say it was a blessing in disguise. I grew up in Bogolovi Flats, where I stayed with my mom and my dad. But then uh, my dad passed on in, uh, 20, uh, in 2002. And I got an opportunity to move from Bogolovi because by that time, my mom could not take care of, uh, of, of me and my siblings. But uh, she afforded to send me away to go and join my auntie because my auntie at that time was uh, a, a member of parliament. And uh, she, was, she was really well off. So she sent me away to go and join my cousins. And my cousins stayed in uh, Nakawa Flats. So you know what Nakawa Naguru is about with sports. So I met a couple of people. And uh, those were one of my, uh, my peers who I grew up with. Uh, Benon, Opa, and Chikawa. So there's this one day they said, Michael, you know what? It's a Saturday. Let's go down to the rugby club. And I'm like, what is rugby? I didn't even have an idea because in Bogolovi, we only knew basketball and maybe and soccer, basically. So I'm like, ah, there's a sport called rugby because I'd never seen rugby. I'd actually never crossed the railway to come on this side because I studied in, uh, my, my first school was in Kiswa. I did some bit of uh, Bogolovi, uh, St. Kizito in Bogolovi. So they're like, let's go down to the rugby club. I'm like, okay, fine. I, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm free right now. We can swing by. So there was a big game, Heathens and, and Impis, and it was at Chadondo. So we take a stroll down, we just walked, crossed over and went to Chadondo. And uh, they're like, now today what we're going to do, we're just going to be water boys. We'll be giving these guys water and maybe picking up the balls that go over the sewage line. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, no problem. And that time I was amazed because most of the guys who were playing for Heathens were all whites. The biggest number were right. whites. And then I'm seeing in peace, there's no white guy. I think Magona by that time was in in peace. I, I'm not very sure. I must have been in in peace or something. I was only the only guy who looked a bit white in the mm. other opposite team. But on this team, most of the guys were, were white. So that was my first experience. And uh, it was amazing that I watched a very good game of rugby. I think Heathens won that game. They beat in peace. But it was a tightly contested game. And I'm like, ah, so this game has whites very organized what can i do do i fall in love with the game or ah, i go back to nakawa flats and i say ah i'm not going back mm. so the guys enticed me ben was like by the way you should give it a chance because for them they're already playing tag 
Okay. Yeah, and it was quite interesting for them. They say, after we come down here, we do our thing, then we go back home when we are free, when we are done with school. So I'm like, yeah, maybe I should give it a try. So there's this one day, they come and pick me and they're like, Michael, they wrote PND. Let's go. I'm like, okay, no problem. So we go. And uh, the rest is history. And that's how I picked up my first rugby ball. And I remember my first rugby coach was Mark Olwen. Mm. Uh, he's the one who taught me how to do all the skills, how to pass. I know not so many people know, but I didn't play tag rugby for so long because uh, that time I was supposed to go to boarding school because my mom didn't want me to be in there. She's like, even if you're staying with your auntie, I want you to go to boarding school. So I didn't do much of tag rugby. So that's why you don't hear my name saying I'm one of the tag pioneers. Alumni. Alumni. <laughs> like the Phillips. The Phillips really did a lot of tag. Yeah. And uh, the lives of Aaron and all that. Yes. I didn't really do much. But tag rugby was my first foundation. Okay. And uh, I was of age. I was a bit... Same age with the Aaron, with the Benons, but a bit older than the other guys who the Benons were training with. So I wanted more of contact mm. than even doing this tag. And I guys just learned guy. the game. Can you imagine? I yeah. just learned the game as getting the basics. <laughs> yeah. And uh, most of the times we'll find ourselves at Chadondo and then we'll steal ourselves inside of tag, we'll be tackling each other. And really? every time the coach would find us, he would come and bang our heads. There's this thing, how they call it, Engolo. Engolo, yeah. <laughs> he finds you banging, he finds you playing taco. He hits you, he says, guys, you're not yet of age. Calm down, let's go through tag. But after that, I really didn't engage much in, in rugby because the school I went to down in Butambala yeah. was in a Muslim school called Chivivi. Yes, yes. It's near Gombe. Yes. And you know those schools is predominantly soccer. Yeah. So when I went to that school there was no rugby and I'm like I've fallen in love with a new sport but then I can't get to play it. So I didn't play rugby up to about my S3. So my S3 I left Gombe, I left Chivivi and went to uh, to Maryland in Entebbe. Yes. That was about the time when Maryland had just been established. So when I went to Maryland, I found Chikawa, I found Mulo. Yes, uh, Dennis Mulo. Mulo. Yes. Uh, there's a guy called Emerson. So I found those guys, and they were introducing rugby in Maryland. And now that's how I got more involved and started training more rugby in Maryland. So after Maryland, I went to St. Lawrence. Yeah. And St. Lawrence basically is a predominantly um, rugby playing school. By that time, there was the Coca-Cola League, Schools yeah. League. And uh, that's how I elevated my rugby when I was in St. Lawrence. Immediately after St. Lawrence, I joined Heathens. But while I was in St. Lawrence, I played a bit with Buffaloes. I know oh, you played for Buffaloes? Yeah. Not so many Did you guys know you played for Buffaloes? Not so many for no, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was about half a season. There were not so many yeah. games. We had... Uh, there was a gentleman called Brian. Is it Tindik? There's no, there's uh, Alan Tindikawa. Tindimueva Tindikawa. Mm. He would pick us up from school, me, Muyodi, and Preston. Mm. He would pick us up, brings us to play for Buffaloes. We used to use the back pitch. The back pitch was quite big before that that warehouse, before the land was taken by yeah. uh, the, the former vice president. Yeah. So that was Buffalo's kind of home ground. Yes. The pitch was quite big and he would bring us. Heathens will be playing on the main pitch and then Buffaloes in the back pitch. So you pick us from school, we come and play, he takes us back to school. But I didn't play wrong, as in my form, form 5, after my form 6, we come out. Back then, for you to join Heathens, 
they would put the whole pool of all players. They would put Buffaloes, they would put Heathens together. And then you play trials. Mm. At the end of the season, there was no one saying, me am a Heathen, me am a Buffalo. <laughs> no. It was for you to fight for a number. They put us together, we have trials. Open warfare. Then they choose, they say, this started, Heathens. This started, Buffaloes. Ah. You understand? <laughs> so it was that time for you to really showcase that me, I want to play for Heathens. Yeah. And now I was this kind of, I was this young man, I didn't know what to do. Guys are like, no, you just give it a try. You have the skill, you've built some good skill, you've been playing schools rugby, you've played some beat with Buffalo, so do what you can. And I, I really I really put up a good show, and Tol Batonyango was the first guy who spotted me and said, that boy will be a, big, a very good talent for Heathens. So take him up, sign him for Heathens, and that's how I started playing for Heathens. That was in 2008, when I was just fresh from high school. Wow, 2008. Yeah. You know this podcast, they always say we are Namiliango. PR. Some lady on the TL said Namiyango guys are now trash after saying that we are the guys to be with. So I think I remember the first time Michael came to was Namiyango. I think which year was it? You you, you did you, didn't you play? There's a game you played. I remember there was some lanky guy with a headgear. Yeah, yeah with a headgear yes. and uh, a, a very big afro. Uh-huh, yes. Like an Afro when I was in yeah. <laughs> Ruben, mm-hmm. Michael has said Chadi and uh, Tag and most of our guests who have come here always bring back to that issue. Chadi, is Chad Dondo the academy, the rugby academy of Uganda? I think uh, Chad Dondo, really when you look at systems of rugby in this country, you can't go without mentioning two, two uh, rugby grounds and you don't mention Chad Dondo. And many of them really trace uh, much of how um, rugby, all their rugby journeys started at Chad Dondo. So I think, first of all, you're looking at, I mean, he has talked about the open warfare to 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 um, qualify for either Heathens or Buffaloes, which I think is a, is a brilliant concept. It should even be brought back. But um, it's one, one of the things I've always said is I admire how Chad Dondo's systems are. From the tag rugby all the way through, they even have a, a group of waze that still play touch and whatnot. So there is so many levels that by the time someone gets to feature like for healings, they have gone through the, the test at least from a Ugandan rugby perspective. And I really do uh, admire Shadow for that. And I can see King's Park is starting to also do something like that. So it's it's great to see rugby grounds also now starting to really go in that direction of proper systems, proper systems. I, I think legends also used to do it. And uh, Helen was running a program. I, mm. I don't know what really happened. but It's uh, still there. She's now running yeah, it from Boyogiri. Yeah, but uh, she's running it from Kings Park. But there was a couple of uh, of years back, actually, Legends was also having the same kind of program. And then you would see rugby players like Ijonga trying to help out and all that. So yeah. if something of that kind can be revived, it would be good for rugby because it helps mold someone into being the right rugby player because the skill of how to pass... If you, if you realize, most of the rugby players who have banged the shortcut, they, they forget that skill. They just now want to bring in the Kanyama game and all that. But this skill of when I have a ball, what do I do? How do I yeah. pass it and all that? It's lacking a bit because he didn't go through the right path. He banged this Kanya mm. and now it's catching up with him. You understand? Yeah. When you mentioned that, I thought about Edwin and his left pass. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to illustrate the, the, yeah, perfect, the perfect illustration. You're not alone. There's so the many perfect illustration pass on your left. is when you get the ball on your left and you want to pass 
Now you're caught in between the bus going very fun spinning. So when you try to spin the ball, it either goes up or it goes short. Like a guy is on the wing the other side and it just stops halfway the trip to the wing. And you get to wonder. And it, it happens a lot when, when they, especially in sevens, when these big boys come. You know, they want the big boys playing the the park yeah and then when you when you're like overlaps cut fast then you see the guy trying to cook the ball is like ah you know what one way maybe he just hit the gap now that is where the challenge is yes you would have made the pass but then because you did not go through the right channels of learning how to pass you can't make the pass yeah look you're not alone yeah so many people can pass on the left my left pass is kawa just to be clear we are going to have a video next week with the rugby ball, and I'm going to show you guys how I pass. There is passing it here in the compound. That is a whole totally different dynamic. But if we talk about, because I remember last year's last Good, Friday, Good Friday, we had a three-on-one. Yeah. Edwin with ball in hand. Just commit the man and pass. The man put the ball behind us. I passed. It was a perfect spin. It's just that these guys were too fast. So you, you don't you don't sell the overlap by going too fast. But I really feel like tag rugby should be yeah. a really across the country. It should be a program that I think the union should take on intentionally. Mm. Um, and it should be one of the mandates for every rugby ground. I ground know yeah. Some of these things yeah. need resources to have those systems. But, but but you see, also, it shouldn't be the mandate of the union. Mm. These rugby clubs as them, they should bring up such kind of programs mm. because it helps them have a feeder side. Because there are levels. You play tag, then after you graduate to the next level, then you become, you go into contact. That's why you have a win system from tag rugby, they introduce it into contact, then you go into stallion. That's why they always say uh, Chadondo is the place where everyone can go and pick whichever player they want who is modified and can go and fit into any team. Mm. Look around, most of the players have passed through Chadondo. I can tell you half the team of Cobbs. Mm. Mm. Some of the guys, some of the guys yeah. were once in Stallion, or they went through Christine's hands, or they went through Sky's hands. Let's Most start. of them, or Dugo, who I won't mention Dugo. names. Dugo, even I can uh, tell you, even Chimbo, even Co Colin, Colin's Chimboa started from Chadondo. Yes, Colin's Chimboa. Yes, Ijongat. Pius. Who else? What are we going to name the, the list is team? big. The list even is former big. players, even when Okeni was in Cobbs, I think he must have been a Chadi guy. Yes, he was okay. from Chadi. Yes, he yes. from Okeni from Chadondo. Yeah. He Chadondo. was in Stallion, then he went to Cobbs. Yeah. He actually he first went, went to, to Warriors. Warriors. Warriors, then, Warriors then he... I think he went to Cabras at one point. I'm, yes. not, I'm, not, I'm a bit mistaken. Yeah. yeah. Even even Juko. Mm. Juko started from Chadondo. Wow. If I'm not mistaken. <laughs> he must have started from there and then crossed over. Okay. Yeah. Wow, okay. So it's, it's also the mandate of clubs to come up with such programs. It's good for them because they'll have a big pool of players where they can choose from. Cobbs' box has just been revived, oh. yes. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. At one point it was, was dead. Yeah. It's because they did not have that feeder system. Mm. If they had it, from tag rugby, you, you go to contact sports, then mm. you, you, you break through to go and play for box. And then you give it about two, three years. And you can knock onto the door and say, I want to play for the big team. Yeah, so in 2008, when you're knocking on the door and you, it was opened, Edens, who are, who, are you, who are the guys at that time in 2008? Wow, it's, it's, it's a long list. The, okay, definitely the Benons were there because yeah. Benon was like the number one fullback in Edens. Mm. Uh, we had Chikao who was a scrum up. We had uh, Scott was actually, when I, when I joined Heathens, Scott was still in Heathens before he started moving up and about. Yeah. And now he's back home. 
Robert Seguia, may his soul rest in peace, mm. was there. We had Mathia Socho, was in Heathens. Dennis Mulo, mm. uh, Arthur Mukama. Uh, we had uh, Dennis Taliata, was also yeah. there. Okay. Uh, we had quite a, uh, quite a number of players who were in Heathens at that time. And I think the only general who is remaining is maybe Opa and Scott. Mm. Arthur is uh, a bit out now. I would mm. say maybe he's done with. Was it the time, time of? Was that the time of um, MTN? Or yes, it was. Yeah, it was MTN. It was MTN. Yeah. Wow. So <laughs> it's, it's a long list. I think some there are some other people you actually even don't know, but uh, those are the guys that phone playing for Heathens. Edwin should tell you our first our first Super Eight game was against that MTN Heathens. By the way, I refused to play. <laughs> you refused to play. I refused game. to play. I said, "Wah!" As like what? I played the two promotion games when we won. Edwin, when they said we were playing Heathens first game, I said, "I'm not playing." Yeah. With all the, with all the kids that have been looking up to you, how could you? Wah! I had no. I had shame. Man, that game. Eh? I had fear and shame. Ah, I was yeah. like. You know, you know when you see some, you know, you're from high school. You sometimes you even leave school just to watch some of these big games. Yeah. You're seeing Michael on pitch. You're seeing Evans on pitch, and now me that was I'd pay particular attention from ten to thirteen mm. there. Then fast forward, you find yourself in summer camp. You find yourself playing playoffs. You find yourself um, keep in mind those playoffs are also tricky because Niall brought uh, second leg brought some Kenyans. Yeah, hey, yeah, they brought Kenyans. Those myself big, big and Lincoln in that center. Yeah, <laughs> with the way we were very small. Then the next season, your first game, your orientation into the big boys. Yes, <laughs> you first that game. Was <laughs> I can never forget it. Ended seventy-six. Zero. I, I remember where I was watching the game from. I was watching from the pork joint. <laughs> <laughs> I was near the ribs. I was just there watching. And, I was like, okay, and enjoy the, that smoke. The league was very, uh, very, very uncompromising at the time. And when you come as a, a, a new team, yeah. you play the, the descending ladder. Yeah. Champion, second, second third. third. Yeah. By the time you reach the guys, you can yeah. actually even handle. Man. You could you handle, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 you handle, yeah. <laughs> By the way, you speak a bit that way. Was, was that maybe a union style? You I'm, the I'm guys so happy in with the fact that now there's a, there's a whole sort of mix. Yeah, but, but there's a mix, but you will find yourself in the hot fire. Of course. Uh, I can you, tell you, you, can't, you can't avoid it. had five solid games. Yes. yes. That is how their down sparrow started. Because yeah. they were up five there solid by then after. <laughs> <laughs> by the time they were stabilizing, yeah. they're even struggling against these small teams. Yeah, yeah but man, the, the league dynamic is a little bit it's uh, crazy. Crazy. Maybe, Michael, when you go back to your 2008. May I call it now a five-year cycle when you you get established in Heathens and whatever. You guys go ahead and start winning championships. You 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 win championships. Mm. You face you build rivalries yeah. on the pitch. Mm. You you get selected for the national team. Mm. Man, what what are those rivalries like? You know, many guys come now and they say that. Guys who watched back in the day, they always like bragging. They like showing their edge on us. You guys, for us, when we used to play Cobbs, we never used to talk to them. You guys are all buddy, buddy. You know what? You take pictures together. What was the rivalry like back in the day? It was quite tough. Because yeah. um, when I joined Heathens in, in 28, we didn't... Um, that season, we didn't win the league. Mm. I remember it, uh, the league was won by Cobbs. But then the, the year after, we won five times. Yeah, we won in 20, uh, 2009, 2010 till 2014. So we had five consecutively, and I can tell you the rivalry between these two great clubs 
is still on, but it's not like before. This time it's not like before. Before it was, would we go out there like we are going for a serious battle? Yeah. You'd see players like Matayo coming out, bring out their beast mode. Then you really know this is a rivalry. It's not just about rugby. It's cross cuts across rugby. Yeah. It's the heart. And uh, they instilled this kind of rivalry in me that it showed me the way that when it is cobs and heathens, mm. it's for dying. Have you heard what you have said? You have said cobs and heathens. So please take it note. It is for dying because we knew <laughs> these were the two great yeah. clubs that had been winning trophies. Yeah. And uh, for you to win a game, you need to go and outmuscle the other guy. Yeah. And I think we did it well for five years. Mm. And it did not just start out of the blue. I think the hard work we had in Heathens. And I remember Brand Power was a, was a coach who helped us start that mentality of guys. Sit down, sort out yourselves. It's not all about rugby, it's about the mind. What do you want to achieve as a club? Go out and execute. Before we just come play rugby with, without a vision, you're just playing because you want to play. But he said, guys, if you want to have a vision as a club, you need to sit down, talk about it before the season starts and what you want to achieve. I think he helped us change that mindset that every time we'd go for a game, we knew what we wanted and what we wanted to achieve. And it became easy for us to go and we know this year we're going to win the trophy. This year we're going to win the trophy. And we kept on winning, kept on winning, kept on building a strong squad until 2014. So we all knew the biggest game for you to ever win, to win the championship, was beat Cobbs and you sorted. It's a, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. Because by that time, the, the lives of Pirates were not that strong. Yeah. And... Uh, the other teams like Ginger Hippos would go and beat Ginger Hippos. By that time, it was called Nile. Nile. Mm. Would go and beat them 100 on zero, mm. or maybe 100 on five or on three. Mm. But uh, right now, things have changed. So that was the mentality we had. If you beat Cobbs, you've won the league. Beat them home and, home and away, you're into things. And back then, would beat Cobbs hands down. People alone these oh, things. Yeah, of, yeah, people yeah, alone these yeah. things of saying, "Ah, ref, you have a big day. What? Those things. Yeah, would beat Cobbs fair and square. I remember 2013 mm. when that was the year I became Heathens captain. Captain, yeah. yeah. I remember 2013. We just got a fresh jersey, Samurai. Yes. And Cobbs were coming home to play Heathens. I think that day the score must have ended 40-something. Yeah, I think like I remember that mm. game, man. It was the, the excitement about having a new jersey mm. and also the excitement of playing at home brought out the beast in us. We beat Cobb's hands down. I think even some guys wanted to fight on the sideline or something. Yeah. And a few players were banned because yeah. of such activities. Yeah. But the rivalry between Heathens and Cobb's goes long, long, long back. Mm. And it is still alive, but not like before. These days, ah, guys choose, should I play or should I play? Back then, it was for death. We used to be on that starting squad of heathens. Yeah. We'd go and name the team from Kabira. Uh. We first go have lunch, then they name the team. Yeah. From Kabira, you, you will not know that you're on the team until it's about, let's say, 2 p.m. on a game day. On a game day. You know you're going to play at 5. Yeah. The team is being named at 2. After you've eaten, you're full, you're kawa, uh. then they bring the team sheet. Wow. Say, Michael, you're starting at 13. Yeah. These days, they name the team on Thursday. Yeah. You already know I'm going to play. You can do whatever you want. You know you're not going to play. You sleep in Maison Exactly. But now, <laughs> back then, you'd know 
they have not yet named the team. Let me be disciplined. I need to be home. No party, mm. no nothing. Let me wait for my chance to play. They would name the team and would march from Kavira with a band mm. on the way to either Chandondo <laughs> Chandondo or Legends. Legends. Yeah. And that's well, how the culture who was. was team manager at the time? That was, overly, that was just being too dramatic. Even a band. Yeah, for real. That was the heathen's culture. Mm. Really? Yeah, and I found it there, but they say it was there before. Mm. That culture died about 2011, 2012. Mm. And that was the culture. The team was not named until the game day at 2 p.m. is when you know, Edwin, dust mm. your boots, you're yeah. going to start. Going to start. Yeah. Wow, wow. You know, when you mentioned that thing when they used to beat Cobb's hands down, it reminds me of that, that car picture I always bring out. There's some time they put out, your, you had to be there, rugby edition. Mm. I put that picture when, when Cox... They call him Black Jesus <laughs> with with Philip. Yeah, that, that, oh, that game! No, that was still that time of campus. You have just finished high school. You are still a cops guy because those are the guys used to watch. Jesus, Jesus! Those days, man, they used to hammer themselves, and heathens would come. And when they would beat, it was a country mile. True, true. And but you see, not only that, heathens were also win, but yeah. cops were also winning. Yeah. They would also beat us. They would find yeah. us when we're not prepared. They would beat us. I think the one. I think three Uganda Cups in a row when for us we were winning the league only. Yeah. And that time we were winning the league and the sevens because it dominated the sevens till about 2013 or 2012. Then yeah. you stopped. Yes. Because I don't know what happened. Certain things happened. There was a Uganda Cup, we I used remember. To dominate yeah. the league and the sevens. No one would touch us on the sevens. We had the mm. Benons, we had the Kizas, we had the Opas. We used to call mm. ourselves Nago Boys mm. because we knew there was price money. Mm. And in Nago boy, for him, when there's money, mm. he mm. break a leg. <laughs> so we took seven seriously. Mm. Even when they would call us for fun rugby in Ginger, mm. man, we would assemble team. a man. team. I always see those fun rugby squads. I'm like, are they sure this is fun rugby? Uh, not anymore. We would assemble a team yeah. because we knew fun rugby, they would even bring Kenyan teams. Uh. And we knew the money was big. Now used to put in price money, about yeah. five million or three million. Mm. And now you have a team of like 12 chaps. Yeah. How much are you going to just split the money? Just yeah, split the this. money there and then, yeah. and then life goes on. Yeah. And that's how we used to put. If it is money, Nago boys have yeah. to go and operate. Operate. And that's how we dominated the sevens after about 2012, 2013. Mm -hmm. I was saying uh, Uganda Cup. I remember there was a time I think um, Aredo had an exam even, and he left the exam, and he came on for Cobbs in the second half, and then he kicked the winning penalty. That's made them lose uh, that particular trophy. I think I remember I watched that game because he said it's going to come in second half. Exam is going to finish at that time, man. So guys who are still in school and playing rugby, it can be done. Yeah, man, me, I, <laughs> let me tell you, when I got done with my 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 degree, yes, that day we, uh, we had a final of the Uganda Cup. That yeah. was the first time we won the Uganda Cup after Cubs had dominated. Yeah. Immediately after graduation, I forgot about the party and all that. Immediately after graduation, I came with my gown to Chadondo, put off my gown, and I was into a jersey mm. to go and represent heathens. So you can imagine that kind of sacrifice. From Nkumba, yeah. all the way to... to, to my, my, my mom was like, oh, my sister who had gone with me was like, don't you want to go and have lunch? I said, no, man, I have duty to go and attend. To These are earthly things. Came through the suit, uh, through the gown mm. in the car, and I was straight into the pitch. Party can be postponed. Ruben, um... Michael said, when it comes to money, you get a Nago boy mentality. I think next year, uh, when we participate in the Rugby Chill Good Friday Touch, 
we should uh, we adopt we should adopt we know who to pick we know who to recruit we know who to recruit now <laughs> yeah. because i think we have, we have we always get out in group stages so we want to reach our first semi final one win <laughs> one win <laughs> last year it was one win and two draws yeah, we did have a win yeah, last year two draws and two, two draws losses and a couple of losses man okay we have improved one win okay Michael, now the, the the rivalries. I remember back in the day. I think you came in. You you were playing when Timothy was also about to exit, yeah. or he was in his wazei days, mm-hmm. to say the least. Mm-hmm. There was even a time. Uh, I think it was a particular Uganda fixture where you guys played. Um, you played twelve, and then you played thirteen. Then you had uh, this thing, Cobb's Hiddens. If whoever bangs the other first, Oscar or, or Michael, whoever wins that first collusion, the other team is going to win. So, uh-huh. let's take us through that 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 battle. I think um, in rugby, you always have to prove that uh, you're the best at the number you play. Uh. And uh, it's very important for, for, for the selectors who are going to select for, for the country. And uh, one thing I put in myself is I want to be the best in this number in the country. Mm. So every time we would have a game, be it uh, with Colts, be it with Pirates. I'd want to go and dominate. But also, remembering that also on the other side, there's a guy who says, I want to be the best, and that was Oscar. Mm. We always had that rivalry of whoever dominates the first tackle, the first carry, is going to turn out to be the man of the match or the MVP. Mm. And that's what happened. Uh, 2013, I dominated the, the 13 position. I was on fire. Mm. And that year, I was voted the Super Player of the Year. Mm. The next year, Oscar said, "No, there's no way. This yeah. year, I've also come. I want yeah. this thing." He was also voted Oscar Player of the Year. So the battle was between who is going to overpower the other in this position to win an accolade. You either overpower him in that game and become man of the match, mm. or they overpower you, they bang you, Casimenti, yeah. and the other guy becomes man of the match. So that rivalry was there. But for Timo, he's a bit special, and yeah. I respect Timo so much. Yeah. That time when. When I joined the national team 15s, actually I joined 15s in 2005, in 2009. The same year I joined the 7s. But I first joined the 7s before I joined the 15s. No, the other way around. I first joined the 15s before I joined the 7s. Yeah. And that time there was a sit-down strike. I don't know what it was called. It was a strike mm. by the Cobbs players. Yes. They, uh, they refused the call-up to come and play for Uganda. And... Uh, by that time, the coach was Kasasa. He had to try and fix whoever was available to come and play for Uganda. And that time, I'd really played very well uh, for Heathens in 2008 when I just joined. So he thought about it and said, no, let me give this young man a chance. Maybe we can get something good out of him. And when he gave me that chance, I dominated the number. That's why you say, most times when I would be on the pitch, let's say with Timo, they would want us to always be on the pitch together. Mm. So it was now the headache of the coach who starts where and who starts where. Yeah. But at any one point, they would want both players what? On the pitch. On the pitch. So Timo would say, okay, let me go and play 12, mm. and then you play 13. I think mm. it also happened with Oscar Kalyang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Oscar was playing 13 for Cobbs. Yes. But every time I was there, Oscar was being pushed to, 12. to number 12. So the coaches knew whose ability to play 13 and who was mm. stronger at playing number 12. That's why most of the times I would go and play 13. And then there's one day, one time I think we had uh, Uganda Kenya at Legends. 
So we were three centers. It was me, Oscar, and I think Gerard Sewankambo. Mm. And the coach was confused. These are all three good players. Uh, by that time, Gerard Sewankambo was just from Cabras. And it was yeah. lethal. Oh, I yeah, remember that game problem. he came here and he won yeah. one of the match yes. against Kenya. Yeah. That's the time when he won, when he won uh, the Elgon Cup. Yeah. So, having three of us fighting for the center position, the coach was confused. So what he did is, he said, let me just pull this and say, Michael is faster than all these other guys mm. and I want him on pitch. Let me play Gerard at 12. Mm. I play Oscar at 13. I play Michael. On the wing. On the wing. Uh, how that, did that go? Ah, it was terrible. I think, um, <laughs> I, think I remember that. It was game. terrible. I think Darwin, Darwin, Darwin Mukitsa scored hey. about three tries just uh, from the wing uh. and all that. So this uh, whole thing of Timor, Oscar and then Michael, I think we all love number 13. Yes. But we left it to the coaches to decide yeah. who can play number the 13 number. better. Yeah. And then when it came to the club, we always wanted to prove that I am better. I need the coach to see me and make sure he selects me to be number 13 for Uganda. Ruben, these uh, player rivalries, in terms of numbers, uh, particular jersey numbers, look at it from the bigger picture of the national team. And you know, like we have a lot of talent, but then let's, let's, let's try and isolate the sevens, how it is divided now. And now let's go back to the 2013 version when the Michaels were playing. If we had what we have right now in terms of players, I mean, you look, you have Munyani, then you have Taufik, then you have Casito, then you have Kisiga, then you have, uh, what's the scale of Hidden's, um, Oyet, mm. then, then you have Nines, you have Wanyama, then you have Aaron, Aaron then you, you have, you have even Casito can slot in a pillow. Man, as a coach, selection headache, man, that's 101. Yeah, definitely, I think at, at that point, it also goes back to the coach's philosophy and the coach's style. Mm. And of course, definitely as players, as, as coaches, you have players' personal preferences of who you think or who you trust more to execute some of these roles. And like you said, sometimes also you look at how flexible or how versatile some of these other players are to slot into different um, different uh, positions to be able to complement one another. Mm -hmm. So it's a tricky job and that's why they get paid or they, they be in those, uh, they're given those responsibilities and not ask the funds. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's always, it's a good problem to have, I should say. Mm, yeah. That depth. Mm. And I'm even not just spoken about our back row because it's deadly. So <laughs> we have we have a back row to brag about in yeah. Uganda, but yeah. Just the splits of this, the 15s and 7s is really, really coming into it. You said you had just started playing 7s um, at the time. Yeah. Now, 7s, I might be wrong, but let me just try to guess. Didn't you, you started 7s and then you went to, is it Delhi? New Delhi, India, Commonwealth Games. So, I the first time I started playing 7s was the World Cup qualifier. Yeah. And it was in Tunisia. Mm. So, Coach Kasasa was, uh, was the coach at that time. Oh, I'm, I'm mistaking me. Maybe it was John. Mm. It was Coach John at that time. Okay, I'm a bit confused. But uh, we got uh, help from an essay coach. It was called Mbiko. Mm. I think he passed on. Mm. And uh, he helped. And when they assembled the team, he looked at us and he looked at me and said, ah, 
is this young boy from? So they told him brief of how I started playing rugby and then how I I, I, I joined Heathens and how I'm, I, I think I could fit into the system he wanted. Mm. So he's like, ah, oh, no problem. Let me give him a chance. Let him train and then I see his strength. And I think I impressed him. I showed him that I have a lot of skill I can offer to the team. Mm. Even if I'm young and I've just joined the team, it would be good for me to go and try out an Olymp- uh, World Cup qualifier, which was happening in Tunisia. So the players who were there at that time was John Mosoke, we had Alan, we had Sogi, mm. we had Matthias Ocho, we had Joel Anguyo, mm. we had uh, Alan Mosoke. So those are the players I, 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 I entered with when I was just joining the, the seven setup. Mm. You can imagine all those great players. And then there's a one Michael Coracho wants also to come and take up a position. So mm. it was something good for me, but I was also frightened. I didn't know what to expect because I am young, inexperienced, and we are going for a major tournament. So Sogi, who was my mentor, said, uh, Michael, don't worry, we, we got you. We're going to just try and make sure you fit into the team. Let's go to Tunisia, we'll see what we can do. So yeah, we, we got to Tunisia and uh, most of the time was, was put on the bench, I would come off the bench then to play. Because by that time Timothy was playing mm. center and was a very good player in him and Alan was okay. Yeah. So I would just be given like two or three minutes. But then I think the kind of display I put up was very impressive that the coach was like, this guy is going to be the future of the seventh team. Mm. Keeping him to the, the system and he's going to go places. And when he, to- when he told the coach that, the coach came and just told me exactly what he said. And I said, I am inside. Let me stick in there, let me learn how much I can learn, and I will be playing for this team for, for the longest time. And I think up to now, I can boast and say that is how my career all started, mm. playing for sevens. But that year after we failed to qualify for, for the World Cup, we came back. Mm. And when we came back, the team was dismantled. Uh, all those guys who were of age were thrown out. Mm. And also the coach, I think, said no, he was stepping down. And then Ronnie Lutakombe. I know not so many people knew that Ronnie Lutankome once coached the Sevens team. Yeah. So Ronnie Lutankome took over as the coach of the Sevens just after we didn't qualify for the World Cup. So he took over the Sevens setup, and I think he only ran it for about a year. Because the next year, 2010, was uh, the, uh, the Commonwealth Games in Delhi. In Delhi, yes. Yeah. And uh, that time, John Musoki became the coach. After Ronnie was uh, sidelined, John Musoki became the coach. And John said, I want Michael as the captain. Mm. And then John again called back the, the old, old guys. Boys. I remember. Guys. I saw because, it. There's a video on YouTube. Yeah, when Ronnie <laughs> came, Ronnie called these guys. I can tell you Kapaps. If you know Kapaps. Yes, mm. Carbonero. Yes. Carbonero. Yes. Ronnie called him to play sevens. After Mokama, <laughs> Ronnie called him to play sevens. Even so Scott even played. Even Scott played. Yeah. Uh, Oscar Kaliango. There were quite a number of guys. I think that was the last time Oscar played sevens, if I'm not mistaken. Uh. So all those guys... When John came in, he first sidelined them again because we were going to play the Commonwealth Games in Delhi. So he brought back the Mathias, mm. Chanowera, mm. actually also played in Delhi, but uh, yeah. unfortunately he didn't play because I, I won't say it on... You'll tell us how the sideline. <laughs> so unfortunately he didn't play, but then there, were, there was the late Lenny Chikonyogo, was it called Lenny? Mm. Who used to play for Rhinos. Mm-hmm. Those were yeah. the guys yeah. who won the team. Mm. Jude Kerimundu, who is now in the US. So mm. those, that is the team that John Musoke chose. And then he said, Michael, I want you to captain the team. Now you can imagine you captaining guys like Mathias. Yeah. You captaining Joel Anguyo. Yeah. You captaining the late Seguya. Seguya, yes. And uh, that was my first time. At, but when Ronnie came in, Mutankome, 
he made me the captain. Yeah. So it was only fair for John to let me stay as the captain and lead the team to the Commonwealth Games. So I stayed as the captain, but as captain in the generals, guys who had played, guys mm. who had just won the African Cup 15s. Mm. So it was quite good. And uh, from 2009, mm. when I became the captain, I served for quite some time. Okay. You get so that is how the whole setup of seven started. But that same year, I was also called for the 15s. And uh, I think I remember we also had the World Cup qualifiers of 15s where we were humiliated here at, at, at Legends by mm. Tunisia. Then again, we went to Tunisia and they beat us. Yeah, the Tunisia game where, where that's Scott, the Cubs, where Cubs Scott, yeah. Scott played 12. Yeah, Scott played 12. Yes. Chinene played 15. I think 15. Yes. There was a mix-up of stuff. Yeah. So after, because it was the late, uh, the late uh, who was the coach? Uh, Chester Williams. Yes. When he came and he saw I was a small boy, there's a, there's a picture I saw uh, when Chester William was sending a message and I was somewhere there standing, a very small boy like so. Yeah. Someone <laughs> sent me that picture and said, yeah. ah, look how far you've come. Yeah. That, that year, Chester's mentality was, I need big boys. Yeah. Because we're going to play Tunisians. These boys like Michael, first be easy. Yes. Your time will come. Time so they sidelined yeah. us. And uh, after that, when, when uh, Tunisia came to Uganda, we were really beaten badly. And then they went to Tunisia again, we lost. So we were out of that World Cup qualifiers yeah. completely. When they came back, the team was dismantled. They brought new fresh blood. Uh, Kasasa was the coach, he called me, he's like, Michael, come, I want us to go to Nairobi. I want you to play. And that was how I got my first cup. Mm. And when I got my first cup, I didn't actually play 13. I played number 14. Mm. I was on the wing against Angera mm. in Nairobi. <laughs> I know we lost the game, but... Uh, Things yeah. were not the best, but yeah. uh, it was it was good for me because yeah. me getting my first call up and also me playing my first cup for Uganda was quite amazing. We played in Nairobi, we lost. We came back to to, uh, to Uganda. I think we won that. No, we lost the game at Chadondo. I was mm. still on the wing. I remember Jera scoring like two tries off me. Mm. Me being on the wing was coming and chipping over. Yeah. And then Benon wasn't trying to, to, to man mm. the back. And uh, I think that's how I, I joined the 15s as well. The same year I joined the 7s, the same year I joined the 15s. What's the dynamic, the difference? Do you have to be fitter for sevens? That's the word being cut around. Absolutely, you have, you have to, be to be fitter, fitter for yeah. sevens. But if you play sevens, you can fit very well into the fifteens. Mm. But if you play fifteens, you can't fit very well into the sevens. That is the difference. Mm. Yeah, because the fifteens will definitely need your, your physique and your fitness. But the sevens will not need your physique in the fifteens when you're not fit. Let me put him on the spot. There was a time when these guys had come back from France and, and Joachim Kisano, who has been on the podcast at the time, well, I think last year, uh, he came and was a problem in the Sevens League and everyone was like, put Kisano on the team, put Kisano on the team. What do you have to say as a guy who has played for all this time? We usually we just see a guy and you're like, he can dominate, he, he had the ability to carry the ball. What do you say about guys who get onto the team? How do we get onto the team? It's hard work. I have seen guys dominating in the sevens, this setup of our, of our national sevens yeah. league. But then when they come for training, it's a different story. So it's, it's just about the hard work and commitment. However good you are, this side, when you come for the sevens training, the real sevens training, it's mm. going to humble you. I've seen guys being given a chance, but the guy comes one day, two days, he runs away, says, coach, I can't handle. <laughs> now, you imagine us who have been in this system for yeah. all these years. It's 
because we are committed. I'm a hard worker, even yeah. at my age. Yeah. I still go and put in the solid shift. Yeah. Recently, we were joking with, uh, with, with, with Desire. We went to SA just when we had gone for the Challenger Series. Yes. So we have, we have the way we do our fitness, and it's timed. Yeah. Yeah. So you say the, the, you run 20 meters, they time you. Run 40 meters, they time you. Run 60 meters, they time you. So they have gadgets. When you pass, it blinks and shows yeah. that you've passed that stage. And then after, you go and they record your score. They say, in 20 meters, you run it at uh, maybe 15, uh, 5 seconds. You understand? <laughs> so we went for a test. That time, remember me and Desire stayed yeah. behind when these guys yes. had gone to SA. Yeah. So when we went to SA, we were supposed to go and do that same test. Yeah. So Desire says, ah, Michael, today I have you. They don't win I have you. I'm going to do my best. Yeah. But when we did, the fitness test, they had not yet revealed the results to us. Yeah. So Desire, the back of his mind, thought he had beaten me. Hey. <laughs> no problem. Hey. Let me keep calm. When the results came out, hey. it showed I beat Desire in the 20-meter dash yes. and the 60-meter dash. Yes. So in the records, it hey. showed that Michael is faster than Desire even at his age. At his age. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Desire really took it as an offense. I told yeah. Desire. If you want us to go back and compete, give me three months. Yeah. So that after three months, I prepare enough. But for now, I yeah. have beaten you. Accept. Accept. Give me another three months to prepare. Yeah. It's just like boxing. When you go for yeah. boxing yeah. today, they beat you. Yeah. There's no way you're going to fight the next weekend. Yeah. Yeah. The guy says, first ah, leave first me, shallow. give me some time. So yeah. I told Desire, give me some time to prepare. <laughs> we shall compete again. So back to it. Uh. When we play the seventh setup of Uganda, I think... We don't work as hard as the way we work when we're into the sevens, the mm. national team sevens. So most guys get uh, they get confused that ah, man, I have been shining on the seven setup. I've been shining for ginger hippos. I've been shining for pirates. Mm. But when they come to the seven setup, it's different. I've seen guys run. I've seen guys puke because of the hard work. That's great to see. I've seen. <laughs> kind of puked I've seen guys. I can tell yeah. you not to ashamed him, but. Yes. The first time Etwal came, he had dominated yeah. the sevens. He was one of the quickest guys. It only gave him a chance. He went for a roadwork. He went to Summit View. Summit View. Etwal collapsed. Uh. He puked. He could not handle. We had to carry him back from the hill <laughs> all the way down. Sorry for laughing. But the beauty about that boy is uh. he didn't give up. He didn't give up. Yeah. He said, it's okay. I'm ashamed because mm. it's my first time. And we all understood because yeah. it is a hard work. It's mm. hard work. Because you go and run that hill, I don't know how many times. Mm. And, and us, we don't just run for, we run kilometers. So you run 100 meters, they count. 100 meters, they count. But it is quick dashing. And you would really see his struggle. But he said, I won't give up. And right now, he's doing well. Yeah, when yeah, yeah. When we were in Dubai, you yes. were scoring. Yeah, yeah, scoring. You are, would even chase yeah, guys. Exactly. Yeah. So out there is different from when you come into the system. I know guys on social media, Ah, this guy can handle. This hey, guy can handle. Mm. But when he comes in here, you guys have been watching TV. It is yeah, different, man. They different. fix him. Yeah. They fix us. They take us around <laughs> and all that. So, yeah. Wow. That's an interesting perspective. But just, I think, um, before they made the separation of the 7s and the 15s, uh, when uh, the national team players could be called up for both, both, both parts of the game, um, I've always wondered, players like you, players like Justin Kimono at the time, from the league 
into the, the setup for the, the national team 15s, into seven somehow there, into Uganda Cup, into everything. Like what players like you, when would you even get a chance to rest? Or was your body really conditioned so well that you did need the rest? <laughs> Very good question. I think it comes down to conditioning and also how you take care of your body. Mm. Uh, if you really treasure your body and make sure that this body you have is going to do what you want and what you treasure the most, and that is playing rugby. I would not miss to go to the gym. I can tell you back then, I, I never fancied going to the gym. Mm. Until Helen was the first person to advise me, said, Michael, you're a good player, but you need energy. And the only way you're going to get that energy is to go to the gym. She was the first person to actually give me money and tell me, Michael, I'm recommending a gym. Mm. There's a gym in Tinder. The coach is called, is called Shao mm. Sozi. said, this gym in Tinder will modify you and you'll play your best rugby ever. I'm like, no, you're lying. She's like, come, I'm going to give you transport, come meet me there. I started gymming in 2012. But I played rugby from, for Heathens from 2008 to 2012, live wire. Mm. No gym, no nothing, just mm. the way I was. <laughs> I would just go put myself in a tackle and say, over oh, they're banging me, they yeah. didn't bang me. But there was no power. Yeah. But I had the brains. Yes. I would run, I would do everything. But she says, if you put in some gym, you're going to be modified. And mm. I didn't take her word for granted. I told mm. her, I'm going to come to the gym. She waited for me at the gym. When I reached the gym, she said, thank you very much. She held my hand and said, this is the guy who is going to make you the best rugby player, mm. if you want to. And from that time, I love the gym. And that's the bad, the pit I'm telling you about. If you love your body, you're going to condition your body. You're going to be disciplined. You know what time to sleep. You know when to go and have fun. Mm. And I think that is what as the discipline I've instilled in myself that has made me play this long. You never see me in a bar during the week. Mm. I would know during the week it's about going to work and then home, keep my body. In the morning, I used to go to the gym by 6 a.m. I'd been in Tinder. I would drive from Bogolovi to Tinder. Mm. 6 a.m., do my gym, shower, go to work. Evening, pass by each other. If I have training, train. If I don't have, straight back home, rest the body. You'd only see me doing the madness over the weekend after a rugby game. Mm. On Saturday, I would go all out. Go and drink all the beer I want in the world. But make sure Monday that beer is out, you're back to the gym. Yeah. I think that is what has helped me play for this long. You understand? But there are guys who are good rugby players, but they don't know how to... They don't know how to handle their bodies. They, don't, think, they don't have the discipline. Of the they don't have the discipline to make them stay in the sport for too long. Guys ask me, LeBron man, James. Guys <laughs> ask me, man, what is your medicine? I just tell them it's just discipline. Uh, what you do off the pitch, we're not going to follow you. Uh, I'm not going to say, Ruben, let me police you. Uh, it's self-discipline you instill in yourself. Because what happens, actually, what builds great sportsmen is what you do outside the cameras. Uh, when people are not seeing you, how are yeah. you going to live your life? Yeah. How are you going to make sure you're doing the right things? I know most times, guys, still, when, whenever they are in people, you'll see a guy pretending, ah, man, me, I'm not going to drink. Uh. <laughs> but when he's not at Chandondo, he's going to be drinking somewhere uh. in a different bar. So it's, it's all about self-discipline. Yeah. yeah. If you have been a victim of uh, Michael's tools from 2012 onwards, just know that is a team in in, Jinda, in Tinder that is an ad that has run free of charge. So mm. hope you give us the that details. That gym has actually built uh, great rugby players. Scott does his mm. gym from there. That body of Mubiru is not from anywhere. It is from that very gym. Mm. 
Justin Chimono has gone Chimono to that. Chimono used to tell me to go to that gym. Yes. I refused. I refused it, it in was, high school. It wasn't okay, why, the gym. The gym is not there anymore. Yeah. It wasn't the most <laughs> standard gym ever. Yeah, but they had a very good instructor. Mm. He would tell you, "I don't want you to be a bodybuilder. Yeah, I want you to remain a rugby player. Mm. And what do rugby players want? Strength. Strength. We do strength workout. We do mobility workout, and you go home. That is all." Mm. You do that, you find your body is becoming stronger. You're putting on some good muscle, and you're going and banging guys for cementy for free. Mm. And I think that's great. I think many instructors get it wrong. They think everyone that goes to the gym wants to become a bodybuilder. Yeah, that's not the case. But yeah, um, I think um, around some time, I don't know if it was around that 2012, 2013 mm. time when um, Helen had advised you to put on some to become strong and. Um, there was also that transition, your body becoming bigger from the small chap you are. Mm. Somewhere around there, the name Gonya came up. <laughs> what is the origin of this thing? We all say Gonya, we all be like, and it has really stuck. I don't know how you have, I don't know if you have, uh, what they call it in your legal terms, uh, uh, securing the name. A trademark. Trademark, yeah. it, yes. That name came out as a joke and then it ended up sticking around. Yeah. Eh? <laughs> and uh, the first person to, to bring up that name was Opa. Mm. So I think there was a game against Mongas at Chadondo. And Opa was, uh, was on the bench. That time, we were, I, I think Philip was the one playing. There was someone who was playing flyoff, but I can't, just can't remember. And uh, there's this one time I held the ball. And I was running. You know me, if you kick the ball or they give me the ball, I charge straight into you. Mm. If, if there's no door, I try to open it. Yeah. So I got the ball and as I was running, the player wanted to tackle me went very low. That I would actually even jump over him. Mm. But I had this thing in my brain that I want to dominate. Mm. I want to bang a guy like a cement. Mm. So what runs straight into my mind is, let me also go low. And I pick him up from down. Mm. Now, after I did that, Opa said a comment on the bench. You understand? So that is how the name came in. Mm. So everyone's, everyone on the bench actually laughed. He said, Opa, Opa again repeated it. Like I scooped the guy from down and then mm. I hit the guy like a cement. Now, from that time, yeah. Opa kept calling me Gonya. Now, all these other guys also said, ah, Gonya, and that's how the name came into play. That's very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, I think one of the... But also, it, yeah. it also comes down to how ruthless I am. Now, when Opa said Gonya, mm. now guys emulated, saying, man, the cement is Goko's bangs, man. They are, they are hardcore. They are like real Gonya stuff. Like, mm. you will go in hard and bang a guy and he feels it. So, mm. um, and, and, and that all mm. came in because of the power I got from the gym. Yeah. And I can tell you, the gym gave me more confidence than ever before. I knew I'd go into any tackle. I knew I'd bang any, anyone a handoff. I knew I'd go and stool anyone I wanted because of that gym that was instilled in me because I got the confidence to play the game of rugby the way I want to play it. That's good. Um, there's always a Helen story in, in, in very many rugby players' journeys. But... Um, one thing I've, I've noticed from us having this conversation is that you've had a number of people speak into your life that that guy is going to be great. That guy is, is, he has what it takes. Um, that guy has the ability. Um, have you ever had moments on, in your journey 
where you have perhaps wanted to give up or doubted yourself? Yes, I have. I, um, I will take you back to 2016. I got a very nasty jaw injury. Oh, yeah. Mm. And uh, that was the time I thought maybe uh, I should quit the sport. Because before I'd gotten injured, but to me that was really a trying moment for me. So it happened on the pitch during a training session. Uh, there was a ball kicked up in the air and uh, I tried to go for the ball. And uh, Ben Okello, they call him Ben Beer, mm. also tried to go up for the same ball. So I was, as I was coming down, I jumped higher than him. As I was coming down, his elbow hit my jaw. So I felt a sharp pain after that hit, but I didn't really know what was happening. I thought maybe it's just this, the normal kind of, you get a hit after a day or two, it's done. So when I got that hit, I told the doctor, man, I'm feeling a bit of pain. The doctor's like, maybe it's just, it's, it's, it's minor. Let me give you painkillers. Maybe you what? You'll stabilize. But as I went home, I felt a sharp pain. I tried to eat food. I felt my jaws were not biting together. Mm. I would just put food in my mouth, and if I feel that pain, I just swallow the food. Mm. So I'm like, I think there's something wrong. Let me try and call the doctor and see what he can do for me. So the doctor calls me, he's like, come, let me, let me see, let me, let me review you, come to the clinic, let me review you and see what the problem is. So I went, he said, I think we need, we need to do an x-ray. Mm. We need to do an x-ray of your jaws. But I told him, doctor, I don't think, I'm not feeling anything mm. that I'm broken, even if I'm feeling that sharp pain. It's like, no, things don't happen that way. Maybe you have a fracture, but it is enclosed that you cannot feel it. So he takes my x-ray of the jaw, and he brings it out. He says, Michael, you have a crack on your jaw. There's a fracture. Wow. And uh, we need to find a way of what? Of, of, of treating it, or we need to find a way of, of, of managing it. So I asked him, how are you going to do it? He said, um, there are two options. One is to cut you inside the jaw, put a blend. Mm. So you put a blend to try and put your jaw in one position so that it doesn't keep moving. And that way, the fracture can, can heal back. He said, the second option I'm giving you is to wire your jaws through the wire, like wiring your jaws. Kanye West. Yes, mm. <laughs> Kanye West style. So they put metals on your teeth up, Mm. and then down, and then they put them together and seal. I remember it happened to Dexter and even Sembuya. Yeah. <laughs> so when they seal, mm. your jaws are not moving. Yes. They are in one place. And that way, the jaw can what? The fracture can, can heal. heal back. Mm. So when you said that, I said, you know what, Doc, I'm not ready for any of these. Mm. Can I just heal like a dog? Yeah. Let <laughs> me just go there, I just heal on my own. He said, no, there's no way you can because you keep moving your mouth. Mm. And I told him, ah, Doc, maybe if I go away, I'll not talk too much. I'll just be quiet. <laughs> yeah. I said, Michael, it is not possible. Yeah. You'll want to go and bank cable with your friends, you'll definitely be opening your mouth. Yeah. And you'll also put in food. Yeah. So these two options, choose one. I told him, Doctor, let me go and think about it. Uh, but for now, I can't make a decision. I left. He told me, Michael, you'll come back alone. If you don't come back, you're going to make that fracture septic mm. and it's going to cause more complications. So I left. But after a day, I said, you know what? I think I'm messing up with my life. Let me go back to the doctor and see what he does. So I just chose one option because I didn't want him to cut me. But the wire thing seemed a bit logical, yeah. like easy to do. 
I go and tell him, doctor, I'm here, do whatever he wants to me. But I think this is the option I want. It's like, uh-huh, good. I told you you're going to come back. Mm. He puts me there. He puts the metals up. He puts them down and says, say, you find no one, I'm mm. going to lock you up. He said, do you want to drink anything right now or eat anything? Yeah. Because you're not going to eat for the next six weeks. Yes. Wow. Oh. He wired me. said, Michael, you're going to go on a blended diet. Mm. You're going to blend all the food you're going to eat. That's the only way. You're not going to open your mouth for six weeks. But after four weeks, come back, I review you and see how far. So I go, I say, now, I, what am I going to do with my life? I can't eat. Mm. What am I going to do with my life? Not Chani Ribs. Not Chani Ribs. Man, KFC. like, no, you go. What you're going to do, take porridge, take yeah. yogurt, just keep drinking as much as you can. I tried, but shit was hard. Yeah. I lost about 10 kgs. So in that process, I thought, I'm like, you know what? I've had enough of this sport. I've so far played for some good years. Why don't I just what? Give up mm. and maybe look for something else to do. So I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? Let me first heal and I see. But at that point, I was like, done. I even started telling my, my, my mom. I'm say, I told her, you know what? I think I'm done. I'm not going to play again. Because I can't go through this pain. I can't eat for six weeks. I can't do the things I normally do. I could tell you I could not even go and I could not go to to the restroom to do a number two mm. because there was nothing to pull out. Oh really? Yeah, I would Damn. spend like three yeah. days without going to, to yeah. do a number two. There was yes. nothing because I was only taking in fluids. Liquid fluids. Yeah. I would only go and maybe yeah. and, 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 and pee. Yeah. That was it. So I'm like, why would I go through this whole pain? Yeah. Why? Is it just because of rugby? Maybe I just need to chill. Because maybe if I come back, the same injury will come. And that's the time I really thought maybe I should give away with the sport and do other things. Look for money and become uh, whoever I want to become in life. There's, there's an iconic picture that was taken at Legends with you. And I think it was the Aredos. Uh, they were smiling yeah. and you were like this. <laughs> that was, a, yeah, that was dumb. They, yeah. that they used to make fun of me. Yeah. Yeah. through the wires. So the way I used to eat is I have a gap on yeah. my side. I was yeah. very lucky I had a gap. Yeah. But for other people who don't have gaps, mm. they yeah. have to surrender one tooth. What? Yeah. To be able to feed. In to be able to feed and you can only ah. feed with a straw. Bro. You understand? Because Bro. if you're, you, 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 imagine your, yeah. you imagine your teeth are like this. Yeah. Nothing can enter. Even if you pour something here, it won't enter. Yeah. And then your teeth will be messed up. So I have a gap, yeah. a natural gap. That's the only word feed. But these other guys, they have to surrender their tooth and then they will put it back after. After. So, <laughs> so it, it was really hard for me. I would blend yeah. whatever I would do. I would blend. I would take more of soup and all that. But still, yeah. it didn't help. I lost 10 kgs. I became a kalanki guy. I was really small. And yet I would put on some weight. So yeah. that's the time I really thought maybe I should chill the sport. So after four weeks, I go back to the doctor and say, ah, doctor, I've had enough. Please let the results of the next x-ray come out clear and you remove these things. I'm done. Yeah. And I prepared. I said, after here, I'm running straight to KFC. <laughs> <laughs> I need to buy a bucket. Yeah. to buy a bucket to eat. Just eat. So the doctor says, okay, let's do an x-ray. said, after the x-ray, wait for me there. The guy came up with bad news. Uh. says, Michael, yeah, the fracture is building back, but I think we need to give it more two weeks. 
was very disappointed. Yes, yes, wait. Uh, sincerely, I went for another two weeks. Yeah. But after two weeks, I went back and he said, ah, you're now good. But start with small things. Don't go all out. Start with these things. But I still went and bought my bucket of cash. Yeah, see, the bucket is a bucket. You have to get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that, uh, that, that, that was uh, one of the, those, those injuries that made me really think about playing rugby and maybe I should quit the wow. sport. Maybe just to address now, uh, since we're talking challenges, I want to highlight now which one which was on the pitch. Uh, Germany. Challenger Series, Chile. Now, me, let me, let me let you give you time to gather your thoughts. Me, I'll tell you what I went through. Hmm. I think yo, that gave yo. I mean, it was, it was one of those things that was really painful. We felt very bad for the players. You could see how downcast they were. It, it really took them through a lot to get where they were. I think uh, to me, that was the most trauma traumatizing thing we've ever gone through. Yeah. I know 20, uh, 2021, the, when they locked us up in Monaco, yeah. it was quite traumatizing as well and depressing. Yes. Because I went to Monaco to try and qualify for the Olympics, but then we didn't happen even to step into Monaco town. Uh, or even on the pitch for any training session and were locked up for for, for 14 days wow in into our rooms and now a player like me uh, most of the time when i go on tour i sleep alone yeah because uh these days they allow 13 players and now when they're 13 is an old number yeah yet most of the times we, we are even we sleep in the same room so the yeah. old man is yeah. who sleeps alone and most times they, they choose the captain to sleep alone mm. so among the most I would say the most challenging times of our career was that Chile tournament. Mm. It seemed so close, but so far. Yeah. We had worked ourselves as hard as we could to find that we get to where we wanted because we had had a very beautiful year, mm. starting by the African Cup, mm. going to the Commonwealth. Commonwealth the yes. year was really flowing the way we wanted it to. Yeah. And the climax of the year to be the best that one. was that very It was not actually the World Cup. It the was World that Cup one. was just a bonus because an additional we knew yeah. Yeah. for the World Cup we definitely were not going to win it. Yeah. We were just going to, to, to try and, and, and get a, a better seed than yeah. we did in 2018. Yeah. But the, the tournament we needed the most was that Challenger Series. Yeah. And I can tell you, it's like the world had gone down on us. Yeah. And yet we had done everything in our means to ensure we get to the series. And the most disappointing thing was the team we had convincingly beaten. Exactly. Uruguay. Uruguay is the one that went to the series. I can tell you what the boys were feeling. Yeah. And I was with them in spirit because guys threatened to leave the sport. Yeah. Guys said, why did I? Guys posted on social media. Yeah, I remember. And I don't blame them. Yeah. Because it was depressing. After all the hard work we had done, yeah. we come to a stage where we feel we have it, but then it just runs out of our hands like that. It was really a trying moment, I would say, uh, for UG7s. Yeah. And I can feel what was back home was even more than what the boys were feeling. Man, me, I cried. I'll not lie. But I can tell you how 
if we had gotten to the series, mm. how it was going to change lives. Yeah. yeah. Maybe some of us like me would have quit my job, which, okay, mm. just in jokes, but yeah. uh, I think it was going to open up massive doors for all the players. Yeah. Because if you look at all the players, uh, the age difference and the average age is quite good. Mm. They still have a lot to offer. And if we're going to the series, maybe teams would be coming, running with, with some good contracts. It yeah. doesn't matter how much, but at least seeing that you're going to play professional. And with the talent we have, we're going to be much better than all the teams that had just gone into the series. Yeah, It's, it's very sad that Uruguay has to come back down. Yeah, But if it was us up there, trust me, I think we would have stayed there. Yeah, Because we're getting better and better and better as a team. And the fact that most of the guys are young. I'm the only guy, I think, I'm the only guy who is above 30. Mm. From Philip, Ian, Casito, all below 30. Most of the guys are between 25, 26, 22, 23. And you can really see that is a big future. If we had only go to that stage to showcase our talent with, with our age, it was going to be massive. It was going to open up doors for us. So that moment was really, it's, it's going to be one that we'll all write about in our lives. But it was really tough for us. But I like the way the boys bounced back. And also, I commend the fans for what they did. Mm. They were with us. They, they felt our pain. Mm. And uh, they even went an extra mile to come and pick us up there at the airport. Yeah. And uh, it, was, mm. it was really good and amazing nice. for, for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it gave us more hope and motivation to go forward. And I like the way we regrouped back for the World Cup. And we went and put up a very good show as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah, the World Cup was a, was a, was a really, really, really perfect yeah. show. Mm. Maybe just, let me just hit up on the... There's this video when we, this particular fixture, I think it was against Tunisia 15s on Kwese, where you, I think Okia was going to score a try, but then he handed the ball over to you, and then you handed over the ball to Munyani to score his first try. So, uh, bringing that now into the handover, <laughs> the resignation stroke handover. Uh, yeah. Um, Going into that, um, do you have a say in who you pick or what What does the coach look out for in terms of that leadership? Now, uh, the leadership structure changed and how a captain is, uh, is picked changed. And I know you're going to hear this for the first time, but I just have to say it. Yeah. Before, uh, the captain was chosen by the coach. Yeah. Because the coach is most times with all the players. He knows the ability of the players and he knows um, what the players are capable of and who is capable of, of leading his team and who can push us forward. So I've been a captain for quite some time. I captained from 20, 2009 to, to 2016. Mm. Between 2014, me and Otim were the captains for the Commonwealth Games. And then Otim retired that very year. I still went on to play. And then in 2016, I wasn't with the team because I'd gone on a work mission in Malawi. Mm. My work had sent me to Malawi to do some work, and that was the very time when uh, the African Sevens was there. So the coach consulted with me, says, who can we put as captain? And at that time, there was no one who was more senior, mm. and no one who was of age. I said, ah, maybe uh, Casito would do. But then he's like, Casito is not... No, it wasn't Casito, Casita. Mm. Casita would do because... He has played some rugby, he has been with Buffaloes, and I think he's one of the most senior guys around. 
I had chosen Philip, but then Philip sometimes just wants to be the cool guy. Mm. He just be the guy to, to mm. help the team go forward. But the captainship thing, not so much. But before, Philip was my assistant captain for so long. Mm. Every time I was the captain, Philip would step in as the assistant. So he chose Casito. Casita yes. to be the captain in that in that very tournament. And he didn't disappoint. He went to Nairobi, played very beautiful rugby, beat Kenya in the semi-finals, mm. beat Namibia, the and final. won the African yeah. Cup. They came back, I was very happy. I had actually just landed back on Sunday mm. when they were playing their final games. And I remember watching the game with some of the guys and I said, man, we beat Kenya in the semi-finals, I'm very sure we're going to win this trophy. Mm. Because Namibia was no match to Uganda. Yeah. And that was the time all the boys were fired up. I think that was the time Kasito had just joined the team. Yeah. And he really wanted. I think there's a try he scored end to end try and really mm. said this is the, the beginning of a superstar. Yeah. And uh, it was quite good. And then moving forward, when I came back, I was given the cup uh, when I came back Kasito was still the captain, I said it's fine, I can he can be the captain. I'm 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 good mm. because I'd captain for about how many years? This is about seven years. And uh, when I came back, I think Kasato was moving to Kasita was moving, was relocating to the US. Yeah. So when the coach looked, he said, no, Michael should continue being the captain. That's how I became the captain again in 2018. Mm. So from 2017 to 16 to 17, Kasita was the captain. So from 2018, I took over again. I captained the team to the Commonwealth and then to... Um, the African Cup, we were we, we silver medalists mm. in 2018 and 2019 as the captain. So last year, the dynamics of how the captain is chosen changed. Changed. So the new format is the XCOM want to choose the captain. Mm. You understand? The XCOM want to sit and vote who should be the captain of the team going forward. The power was removed from the coach. I don't know. Mm what entailed to that, how it came up to be that, that way, but that is how it is done right now. So last year, I wasn't with the team for some bit of it, I was a bit busy, the team went to SFA coaching uh, for fine-tuning at uh, Stellenbosch Academy of Sports. So when they came back, I wasn't part of the team, I think me and Desire or someone. So when I came back, I rejoined back the team. So when I rejoined back the team, oh, just take you back, in 2019, Ian, mm. because that time I didn't go for the Safari Sevens. Ian was the captain, if you remember very yeah. well, and they won the plate. Yes, the plate. Yeah. So when we came back, we didn't have some, we didn't have major tournaments. I still remained the captain after we went to for the Challenger Series in Uruguay mm. and Chile. Chile, yes. Yeah. So twenty uh, last year is when they sat down to review and said, okay, we need to choose a captain going forward again. But mm. I was still the captain. Yeah. So they had to vote and they said, okay, they voted me back in and said, let Michael be the captain and then Ian mm. become his vice. So I was the captain throughout last year and then starting this year as well. But then I'm a busy guy these days because yeah. I got a new job and it's really taking a toll on me. And yeah. also, like I said in the beginning, I'm in the evening of my career. Yeah. And I only found it wise that maybe it's it's high time i step down and let ian take over and and continue being the captain because 
the team is going to lead is relatively of the same age as him. Mm. And it would only be good for him to grow with them together. Because they would understand him more. Because if you look at the age the age difference between me and the boys, it is really huge. It's uh, like Kenji's and Maisonois. It's a big difference. <laughs> I, can, I can imagine the conversations there. The slang works. Uh, exactly. No, I also know slang works. I just saw it was it was right. Because, you know, a kind yeah. of loses nothing light in the other. Yeah. So I'm like, this is a guy who has been in the setup. He, he, it's only right for him to step forward. It would have been maybe Casito. Yes. Because Casito is more senior than than, 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 than Ian. Yes. You understand? But Casito is also one of the guys who just wants to be lay. Smash lay a guy when he breaks the line. Lay yeah. low and chill yeah. and be laid. Yeah. So the next person in line was definitely Ian, mm. and because he had led the team to a, a, a plate in, in Safari Seven, so yeah. I, I, I found it right that he takes over, and uh, also me I follow. I mm. also want to be led. I've been I have been leading for so long. For so long, you don't That's, know what it's like. Yeah, I don't know what it's like being at the back, running in the well, last. Will that also change your that. your room privileges? You'll now have to share and the captain. No, no, no. Has I still stay. Yeah, yeah, I still stay. Still, 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 yeah, I still stay <laughs> captain Gonya or captain chair. Anyway, yeah, with that, I think it's good. The team grow with the team going forward, and uh, I'm still. Uh, they still consult me because Ian is the captain, and then Aaron is the vice captain. Yeah. They still consult me, even on the pitch when we are playing. When there's a call to be made, I see him looking at me and saying, is that okay? Can mm. I make that call? And uh, last year, I, I spent most of the time just trying to nurture him, to make him who the captain want to be. Mm. Like, you consult with me, how do I do this, how do I do this? During the game, sometimes I do say, ah, Ian, you, today you lead us. Lead us and we see how it goes. And I think it's, it's that right time. I, I've done my part. Mm. I've, I've really served for a very long time. Maybe I could be retiring next year or the year after, but uh, it's about that time. So the team grow with the team. The team lead the team to, to many championships, which I know he will, mm. and, and, and bring glory back to Uganda. I think if Ian has concerns when you're not on the pitch about decision-making, should get him an earpiece back to your guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for points, go, go for points. No, no, I think he's, he's, he's capable of making he's decisions. Capable, yeah. Yeah, he is. And I think also the good yeah. thing is Cobbs also gave him that uh, platform. Yeah, platform, mm. the leadership position now he's taking in Cobbs. I think it's also good, it's going to help him. Because also when I became a leader, I was when I became a captain of the seventh team, I wasn't actually the captain of the hidden team. Yeah. So I think my, my abilities and capabilities in the seventh setup also triggered me becoming a captain in, uh, in the hidden scheme. Wow. Yeah. Perfect. Ruben, as we wrap this up, usually uh, rugby is uh, associated with aspects of values that people gain mm. from it off the field and on the field. What are those key values you think? And then maybe Michael will give us his values as well as, and then we'll, we'll, we'll call it a day. Um... I think the one thing which I think he echoed at some point in the podcast as well was rugby is a mirror of your life. Yeah. In that, um, it was, I think it was Fred, if I'm not mistaken, in Emiliango, mm. Coach uh, Mudola Fred, um, where he said that the way you play your rugby can reflect the way you, you carry your, yourself in life. If you let people walk over you on the pitch... Mm. then high, their chances are perhaps high that even in real life that that's maybe what's happening 
So you, he was really trying to instill in us those values that you need to be able to stand up for yourself. And even sometimes when you fall down, don't stay down, but uh, get up and, and, and face the next challenge and try to achieve something. So just trying to tell us the same thing that uh, Michael had said, that when it comes to uh, your rugby, treat your life and treat your rugby synonymously in the way that you carry yourself. But even just aside from that, you, you keep saying, um, the word I like using, the camaraderie, mm. the, the brotherhood that, that comes from it. I mean, so many opportunities personally that I have gotten from just the building the networks around rugby and it brings in the value of respecting everyone regardless of, of what camp they are in, what team they support um, and what happens on pitch. Understanding that off pitch it's something totally different and you're all one big family. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a rare thing to see in other sports in Uganda that uh, Cobbs Heathens is played or Cobbs Pirates is played. But after the final whistle, we are mm. all seated together having a drink or having something to eat. And that is, I think, one of the things that I really appreciate about the game. Michael, values? Uh, major values is uh, teamwork. Mm. I think uh, rugby uh, brings about teamwork. And uh, it's not only on the pitch, but also out of the pitch. I think I've met a couple of um, of my rivalries from uh, my rivals from different yeah. clubs. But uh, when you look at us outside the pitch, you may think we play for the same club. Yeah. So these are the characters I, I, I attribute to rugby players. It builds a lot of character in us. You, just like uh, like Ruben has said, even after smashing each other on the pitch, mm. we are having a beer together. Yeah. I think we are not in battle like two hours yeah. before. And also the character I talk about is after you have considered defeat, you yeah. are still shaking hands, you are hugging on the pitch yeah. and all that. So those are one of the values that I really attribute rugby to and also discipline. Yeah, discipline is very Man, I don't know if I was not a rugby player, I don't know what, what kind of man I would be <laughs> now. Oh God. I think rugby has really taught me so much discipline. Yeah. It, has, it has shaped me to become the man I am right now. And I give it back to rugby because it has fine-tuned me to become the gentleman I am today. Yeah. Maybe some people will not believe me that I'm a gentleman, but uh, I'm a victim <laughs> in the oil. <laughs> and uh, it has helped me a lot yeah. in my walks of life, in my workplace, mm. and the respect I gain. Like now in my workplace, man, guys respect me. Mm. Guys call me Kapi, what, all mm. those things. Yeah. Whenever I'm going somewhere to someone's room to ask for maybe a signature, yeah. they welcome me well. Uh, because they know I'm not just... A busy body. Yes, yeah, a busy yeah, body, yeah. but I'm a, res a respectable guy yeah. and I've really served the nation. So yeah. these are kind of the values that, the core values yeah. that rugby instills in us. And I think even the sportsmanship, Yeah, that is all about rugby. Now, we, we just to close, as we close, um, what is the future, the Ugandan future of the jersey number 13 that you've played in? You've had, you started from the top, you had the Moodlers and those before him mm. and whatever. What do you think you as, who has been in, in, in Ugandan uh, rugby, particularly that jersey for all this long, what is the future for it? Which players stand out at the moment and who can make it better? Uh, I, would, I would pick two players. Yeah. But uh, the first one would be Ian Munyani. Yes. I think uh, we have not seen much of him with his team at number 13 because of uh, the seven setup. Yes. Most of the time when he's doing his thing, then he's called away. So we have not seen him being consistent. 
but I think he's, he's one guy who would take up that number 13 position quite well. Mm. The fact that he's, he's a big boy, he's tall, he's strong. You know, number 13s, you need to have that body that can, can scare the opponent. When you stand there, they know this is a big guy, we can't run around him. Because the number 13 role is very important. You're covering three people. Mm. You're covering your winger, covering the fullback, in a way. Mm. Because the channels people are running at, remember your fullback is also running that same, the, the opposite fullback is also running that same channel. Yeah. And then your number 13 is running the same channel. And then sometimes the number 14 wants to come at that same channel. So there's a lot of work that you have to put in. And I think Ian is a hard worker. He has really worked hard. When you look at him in the sevens, he has, I think, one of the most tackles in the middle there. Yeah. Very fear the middle and they know. Yeah. I only get there when things are hot. But yes. most times, with my age, I want to be a bit hidden. Yes. So I can make my one-two tackles yes. come in. But in the middle there, you need a young guy who is active, who is on his toes yeah. to do the work. So my first choice would be Ian. My second choice would be Fafik. Yeah. Malagadi. I think he has had a very good season. Yes. He has 12 tries yeah. uh, on the log. And uh, he's a big boy as well. He's a, he's a hard runner. And I think he will also be a very good fit for that number. He just needs to work more harder. He mm. tried the seven setup, but I think it didn't go, it didn't go well for him. But mm. he's a young man who has a very big future. He just needs to put more want in the things he does. Mm. Sometimes I look at him as a lazy guy outside. Mm. Mm. But then again, I get surprised on the, the amount of work he puts in the pitch. It's, it's a bit confusing. So I don't know if he can change his image about being outside, being yeah. that crazy guy mm. and different from what he is inside. I know it can't change, but it's, it's good that he shows a lot of agility and hard work when he's given that number. So those are my two picks. I've not really seen anyone else. Yeah, Maybe the guys who are there just trying out the, the 13 position, but mm. those are the two guys I've really seen who want to take up that position. Yeah, Taufik plays golf, so golf is all about the follow-through, so <laughs> you have to swing it out up to the end, yeah, so yeah. maybe as we close this one, we'll just say thank you very much for coming. Uh, it has been a long conversation. Even in the darkness, we have ah, still gone on, and, and yeah. there's plenty more we could discuss, but we look forward to having you. Maybe we'll, we'll segment one with Maybe Cobb's Hiddens and we have you and Oscar again here and we have these discussions. <laughs> relieve the memories. Yeah, it, it will be quite interesting. It will be an interesting yeah. one. So maybe, Ruben, uh, the weekend there is uh, action in Ginger. Uh, the championship uh, playoffs, semifinals to get promotion to the main league. Uh, Rams are unfortunately relegated. So we have... Uh, the guys who are the I'm putting on Warriors, they will be playing. Um, they will be playing Elgon Wolves yeah. at at 4 p.m. and then we'll have the 2 p.m. derby. They call it the bad derby. The Falcons against the Eagles, Gulu City Falcons versus the the Eagles. So that will be one of the uh, action points of rugby over the weekend in Ginger, and then the after party of the season will be at Rugby Chill. So. You guys, you know where I'll be, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we hope the teams can have a safe trip with this matters day traffic and then some good rugby to watch and then we'll see who will come. Uh, from Fat Cats, uh, thanks for watching and uh, keep on liking and subscribing to our channels. We'll keep on bringing you more conversations of this nature. 
it is 7.30 and from the Fred and Winnie B&B time for some evening tea so just, have a uh, nice one my parting shots yeah. I think uh, thank you very much uh, to Fat Cuts yes I think you guys are doing a great job okay it's the first of its kind yes. having such when you're not being pressurized on TV, yeah, uh, you need to make up, make up, you know, make up, yeah, it's a make up budget. It's just a yes. freestyle conversation. Yeah, I think it's, it's quite good. Yes, and uh, it, it makes the conversation interesting. Yeah, and uh, I think you guys are doing a good job in promoting the sport. Yeah, and then also having those spaces, yeah. giving guys opportunity to air out their views, and then picking views, putting them on social media giving guys that time to debate and talk about the sport and how to better the sport. I think it's quite good and I really pray you guys uh, stay long. Yeah. Don't, uh, I, would, I, I don't say don't be like the other guys hey, who, like who, who tried out for a very short while <laughs> yeah. and, and disappeared. But uh, uh, are here to stay. I would say kudos, you guys are doing a very good job. Just uh, keep doing the job. And uh, anytime you want guys to come and, uh, and, and talk rugby and, and discuss a few things, I'll be ready if I get time. I'll yeah. definitely honor that invite again and see that uh, we just sensitize the masses about rugby, talk about those challenging moments, the values of rugby, and uh, how some players can get better. Perfect. So thank you very much. An endorsement for a captain. There is nothing else you can <laughs> say. Nothing else we, just, we just, want now. <laughs> nothing else. So thank you very much. Keep it fat cuts. Thanks for listening in. Share with us your thoughts from today's episode. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.